Hi, this is Chris Finch. I'm lead pastor of City Walk Church. I want to thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you don't already know, the best way to stay connected with City Walk Church is with our app. Just go to your device's app store and search City Walk Church to find it. Whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus or you're just investigating faith, our hope is that this message will help you take your next step in that journey. If you're in the area, we would love to have you come join us in person. For more information or to plan your visit, check us out at citywalkchurch.com or on social media at WeAreCityWalkCA. Morning, City Walk Church. Good evening online, City Walk Church. Whether you're watching online or you're here this morning, uh, we are so thankful that you're here. We're thankful uh, just to, to be able to celebrate as we've talked about uh, over this past couple years all that God's done. And uh, we're going to have some fun later. And hopefully I'll give you an opportunity to meet some, some people you haven't met, maybe share some stories uh, about how, how you have connected here. And uh, we're going to have some fun. But uh, before we do, uh, we started uh, about four weeks ago, we started a series called I'm In. And uh, we started that series at the beginning of the year, and it's a, a, a short title that has a lot of ramifications. So, so that, that title, I'm in, in different areas of our life, man, plays a pretty big role. For some of you, uh, a few years back, maybe a lot of years back, you walked down an aisle in a church, and there was a, a guy like me at the front of that church, and, and you looked at your spouse and you said, I'm in. And that was a pretty big deal. That's had a lot of ramifications on your life. For some of you, it was a job. You, you got recruited for a job. You, were, you put a, a resume in. You were really wanting a job. And, and man, you got interviewed. And, and the, the opportunity came where you had to step over the line and say, okay, this idea of a new job's great. This idea of, of a promotion's great. But I have to sign on the dotted line at some point and say, all right, I'm in, I'm in. You guys know, and I promised myself I would work the Bucks into at least the next two, you know, obviously, because I'm a Bucks fan. Uh, but, but you guys know I'm a Bucks fan. I grew up in Florida. And as much as I hated, hate's a strong word, but as much as I didn't like a guy by the name of Tom Brady, man, when, when my boy said that he was coming to Florida, he joined the family. When he said, I, I'm in, man, he, he got an invitation to Thanksgiving dinner. I mean, we, we love him. Uh, because, man, when he said, I'm in, it's been a pretty big thing for, for the Tampa Bay Bucks and for, uh, for our, our, the city that I grew up in. But as you think about the, maybe on a more serious note, as you think about those words, I'm in, what do you think of when it comes to God in those words? Like when you think of, of I'm in, what does it mean to say, I'm in? As it relates to God. We say I'm in for a lot of different things in our life. But what does it mean to say hey I'm in. And for some of you you grew up. And for you when you say I'm in for God. And, and this is kind of how you were brought up. It meant you dressed a certain way. That, that's what like, you were taught. Like uh, if I'm in it means I dress a certain way. If, if, if I'm in it means I there's a certain language that I say. There's some words, some Christian words I use, and there, there's definitely a list of words that I don't use if I'm in. 
And that's how you kind of were brought up. Maybe for you it was, hey, if I say I'm in as it relates to God, that means I, I probably at some point in the year should give some money to a church, and, and I think that's what I'm supposed to do. Or for sure, I got to go to church at least on Christmas and on Easter, and when I need a little extra credit with God, maybe at least maybe Mother's Day or a couple other times. And for you, maybe that's what it was. You said, man, if I say I'm in with God, it means there's a, there's a list of things I have to do. There's a list of things I really shouldn't do. And, and when I do that, then, then I, think, I think that's what it means to be in. For, for you, I'm in meant work hard and pretend to be good. I mean, I, I'm in meant, hey, if you, you work hard and do all the stuff, and, and then if you pretend to be good because nobody's really good and we're all jacked up on the inside, but at least if I put on a good face and pretend, because I think that's what church people are supposed to do, like I think you're supposed to pretend you don't have any problems. And, and so if I'm in, and I, it means that I work hard and pretend to have it kind of all together. And, and, and here's, and this honestly might be, why some of you walked away from the church. It's why some of you maybe have walked away from the church and are maybe just coming back because you, you got tired of this. This was exhausting and you never really knew what you had to do to be in. And so you just decided, hey, I'm not even going to mess with it. But, but here's what's interesting. This idea of working for favor with God, this idea of earning favor with God by our works is actually not a, a new idea. In fact, the guy that wrote a lot of the New Testament spent quite a few years aggressively pursuing this idea that, hey, if you work hard for God, then you'll gain favor with him. And, and, and if you've grown up in church, you know, you know this guy's name was Saul, and then it was changed to Paul. But, but here's what's interesting. See, early followers of Jesus were afraid of this guy named Saul because he was so aggressive and so focused on what he believed to earn favor with God that to him, even people that were followers of Jesus were a threat to his way of thinking, to his religion. And so he spent his life trying to get rid of them. But then one day, this guy by the name of Saul, whose name would then be changed to Paul, he was on his way to a city called Damascus. And he was on his way to, honestly, he had been given an assignment to go to Damascus and take out more Christians and really do anything he could to stop this movement. And on his way to Damascus, everything changed for him. This idea of being in with God totally changed on his way to Damascus. We find it in Acts chapter 9. It'll be up on the screen. This is what it says. It says, as he neared Damascus on his journey... Suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. So, so this guy Saul, who's on his way to Damascus, he's on his way to take out more Christians, to stop people who are following Jesus. Up to that point in his life, he had spent his entire life training to be a religious leader. 
He had all the right credentials. He had all the right education. He was honestly a rising star. If he was going in for an employee kind of overview to kind of an evaluation of how he was doing, he would have got all good grades, all good marks, because he was doing a great job. And he was getting after people that he thought were a threat. And then, as, he, as, as the scripture said, he's on his way to Damascus. In the middle of the road, Jesus stops him. Stops him in his tracks. And for Saul, who would then be named Paul, everything changed. He met Jesus and the trajectory of his life, what he thought it meant to be in with God, totally changed. He went from being the greatest opponent to the movement of Jesus to be, being the greatest advocate. And he spent the rest of his life doing what was the greatest honor of his life, and that was representing Jesus as an ambassador. His life totally changed. And this guy, Paul, he wrote a lot of letters to churches that he started, and he wrote a letter to a church in Corinthians, and he talked about this great honor that he and other followers of Jesus had to represent him. It says this in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 20. It says this. This is Paul writing. He says, we are therefore Christ ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. See, Paul and his, Paul and those who have become followers of Jesus back then and even today have been given this honor. And this honor that they've been given is to, and he said it right there, was to be an ambassador or a representative of Jesus Christ. So, so back in this day, just like it is today, to be an ambassador, to represent a country, to represent a king, to have the authority of that king when you go into another country and to represent him was a great honor. And here's what Paul's saying. He's saying, you know what? I, I've been changed by Jesus, and now I have this great honor to represent him as an ambassador. I represent him with my life. I represent his humility, his love. I represent his patience. I represent his compassion with my life. But I also have the privilege to take a message and be the mouthpiece. Paul says, I'm an ambassador, and those that are followers of Jesus have the privilege of representing him with their life and with their mouth. And here's what's interesting. Paul, he understood this, man. He understood. He had been so aggressive going one way. His life had been radically changed where now he was going another way. And for the rest of his life, if you just, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, just read through the New Testament and just see what Paul went through. And his focus to represent Jesus well, even as he went through so many crazy things. But, but Paul understood that, man, I'm, I'm here to represent Jesus' life, but I'm also here to represent Jesus' message. As if Jesus was here speaking, Paul had a message. It's the same message that if you're a follower of Jesus, that you have to share and represent Jesus with. And Paul tells us, in 2 Corinthians, right there, he tells us what the message is. Look at 2 Corinthians 5, verse 18. As Paul, he's writing and he talks about, hey, what is this message that we're honored to deliver? 
It says this, All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you or beg you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. See, the power of this message that Paul's talking about is found in that word reconciliation. You say, what's that word mean? He, he seems to like that word because he used it a bunch. And, and it's really what gives the message power. The, the word reconciliation simply means this. Reconciliation is the establishment of harmony and peace between enemies. Enemies are said to be reconciled when hostility between them ceases. So down front here I have a, a few jars. Now, let me grab these. Let me explain what this means. So, we have God. When this whole thing started, it was God and me. It was God and you. It was God and Adam and Eve. It was a perfect relationship. But then something happened. Something happened that we read about all the way back to Genesis, and it's been happening ever since. And and that simply is this, that sin became the thing that went between God and me. And so the scriptures say, say it this way, as you, you, think, about, you think about yourself and, and, and you think about your relationship with God, the, the scriptures say this in Psalms 51.5, it says, Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. So we have in our church... We have some cute little babies. We dedicated babies a few weeks ago. And as cute as those little babies are, guess what? This kind of sounds crude, but our little cute babies at City Walk Church were born giving God the finger. Basically. As cute as these babies are, the, the scriptures, and this is David right, and he's saying, man, when you were born because of Adam and Eve's sin, you were born with sin. Man, you were born with hostility towards God. Nobody has to tell that baby, hey, don't be selfish or, or be selfish. Nobody has to say, hey, sit down. Let me teach you how to be selfish. Hey, sit down, little guy. Let me show you how, how to lie really good. No, they just know how to do it because inside of them is sin. They were born that way and, and they were born and there was something between them and God. And because of our sin, we fit in the category of, God, of enemy of God. Because of our sin, we are enemies of God. The, the Colossians says it this way, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. Like, you know what? We lie. We're greedy. We lust. We disobey our parents. We cheat. We hate. We're prejudiced. And the list goes on and on and on. And because of our sin, we are enemies of God. 
But in Romans 6.23, and here's, here's the, the bad news before the good news, our sin has to be paid for. Like somebody has to take care of the sin. And the Bible says it this way in Romans 6.23, it says, the wages or what I earn of sin is death. What I earn because of my sin is physical death and spiritual death in a place called hell. You're like, happy birthday, City Walk. Thank you for the great news. Can I have my cookie and leave? But, but, but that's, that's the, the reason I'm telling you this, because you got to understand why Paul was so passionate about the message. Because here's what I found. Like, some of us, we get bored with the message because we don't get it. Like, like when you realize that it, without Jesus, I was an enemy of God. I was, I was against God. I wasn't seeking God. I was filling my life with sin. I, I was doing everything I could to get away from God. And because of my sin, somebody had to pay for it. Somebody had to take the sin so I could have a relationship with God. And that's where Jesus comes in. See, here's what Jesus did, and, and Paul says it in 2 Corinthians 5.21. It says, God made him who was no sin, who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So basically what happened is, not because we're good, not because we're anything to be God's impressed with us, but simply because he loved us, he said, you know what? They're enemies of me. Someone has to pay for it. Somebody has to take care of it. Somebody has to heal the relationship. And so he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross and pay for that sin. They put his body in the grave after he died. He rose from the grave. And here's the beautiful thing. And this is why Paul was willing to give up so much for this message. Now when God looks at you, he sees the righteousness of Jesus. When, when God looks at you, he sees the goodness of Jesus. Because Jesus paid for our sins, Jesus traded us our sin for his righteousness. Jesus paid, he, he basically took our despair and gave us hope. Jesus took our hell and gave us heaven. And because Paul had experienced this, this idea of being an enemy of God and then being reconciled, he could not get over that and he had to tell people. That's why Paul was so passionate about getting the message and having the honor of being an ambassador for Jesus Christ. Paul's reward was not based on how many people embraced the message but in his faithfulness to share it. And here's what's interesting. As passionate as Paul was about getting the message of Jesus out, maybe you're here and you say, man, I'm, I'm investigating faith, or I'm maybe a little skeptical of faith. And you know what? I've hung out with some Christians, some people that say they're followers of Jesus, and honestly, not really sure I want to join up with them. Because when I, when I look at their life, honestly, a little boring, they seem to walk through life afraid. They move really slow. I hear them talk about a lot of stuff, but I don't see them go after anything and do anything. They seem to 
be, be, have kind of one life here and one life there. I, I, don't, I don't understand. Why would I want to join that? And, and the reason that Paul was so passionate about this idea of, of getting this message out, and because of him, everywhere he went, whether you liked him or not, you knew what he was about, was really, I think, because of two things. Because for some of us, People that don't know Jesus, and maybe you're, you're here and you don't have a relationship with him, or you're watching online, and, and you think, why would I want to join boring, unadventurous people that talk a lot but don't get a whole lot done? Paul wasn't like that. And, and the reason is really a couple things. Paul, his view was eternal. He says this in 2 Corinthians, he says, So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporal, but what is unseen is eternal. See, Paul saw all his, his life challenges through the view of eternity. Like if this was the only day, yeah, this would really suck, but there's an eternity. And he saw his challenges through the lens of eternity. He saw people through the lens of eternity. He saw the soldier he told about Jesus. He saw the political leader that he told about Jesus. He saw different people he interacted with. He saw them through the light of eternity, and, and that's why he had to share with them. And I think sometimes for us, we view things through today. It's like, do I have enough money for the weekend? And that's kind of my goal for life. Instead of, maybe this thing's bigger than that. And for Paul, it was a lot bigger than that. And because of his view of eternity, and because he saw his problems, he saw people's souls, he, he saw stuff through the view of eternity. A lot of the things that we spend our life like bleeding for and working for, Paul understood that's all going to burn up. And so he was able to stay focused on his role as an ambassador because his view of eternity was in the forefront of his mind. But I think the second reason is Paul had such confidence in Christ's power to change people. See, he said this. He said in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. Paul had been transformed by Jesus. And for Paul, there was no story. There was no sin that was too far for, from God. And so Paul had seen people transformed. And because of that, he, he, it kept him so focused on his role as an ambassador because he had seen life change and he just couldn't get over it. He, he wanted to see it again. And so he gave his life to get the message out to be an ambassador. If we, if we had a time, and we won't, but we could go around this room and we could pass mic the microphone around and hear, you know what you would hear? If you're new to City Walk, you know what you would hear if we, if we took the mic and we passed it around? You would hear about people's lives who had been radically changed because of Jesus. You would hear about broken people that were far from God that are close to God. You would hear about people that were heading for destruction, rescued. You would hear about how the Word of God and the Spirit of God changed someone from the inside out. 
And for Paul, he just couldn't get over that. I think sometimes for us, we get over it. Or, or here's what we think. Oh, that he'll never change. She'll never change. And so we just kind of let, let off. And, and Paul said, man, he was so aggressive. He, he wanted to get the message out because he knew Jesus changes people. And he wanted to see that happen because it had happened inside of him. And so he was able to continue to focus on being a representative for Jesus. Which leads us back to the idea we started with. And here's the idea I want you to think about this in your, in your mind, whether you're watching online or you're here this morning. What does it mean to say I'm in with God? What does it really mean to say I'm in? I mean, does it mean you have to dress a certain way? Does it mean that you have to give some money to somewhere? Does it mean, is there like a quota of days you're supposed to be in church, and if you don't get it there enough, like you're out? Like, what does it mean? Like, what have we been invited into, and what does it mean to be in? Well, really, it's, it's two things. We've talked about this in this series. We, the first thing is we've been invited into a relationship. That's what it starts with. Paul, Paul was invited into a relationship with Jesus. If, if we had these little, uh, don't have a relationship with Jesus, if you're watching online, and, and we, we had these little, uh, little illustration that kind of illustrated it. Man, if, if you're in a spot where right now your relationship with God is severed because of sin, Jesus took your place and he desperately wants a relationship with you. That's what it starts with. But then, really the next natural step, and it's really not a, you don't get one without the other. Sometimes we pretend that, oh, I'll take the relationship, but I won't take the represent Jesus part. But you've been invited into a relationship, and you've been invited into representing Jesus as his ambassador. You're like, dude, does that mean I'm like some freak with a picket sign out on the corner and, you know, yelling in a... No. Here's what it means. You love people the way Jesus loved people. You have humility the way Jesus had humility. You have compassion the way Jesus had compassion. And when you have opportunity to share the message, you share the message with people just like somebody loved you enough to share it with you. So the question that, that it really brings us back to is, if that's it, am I in? And, and instead of giving you, you know, three points of application, I, I honestly, I just want to leave you with a question to grapple with. As you and those that are watching online and as I do myself, as we think through and we grapple with this idea of, am I really in? I want you to think about this question, and honestly, it's going to take some courage It'd be real easy to blow this question off, but it's going to take courage to really grapple with this question. So I'm going to give you this question, and then I'm going to tell you how we as a gathering are going to answer this question. So here's the question. What would be different in, you fill in the blank, if Jesus got his way? As you contemplate an invitation to a relationship as you contemplate an invitation to represent Jesus? Answer this question. 
What would be different in my dating life if Jesus got his way? What would be different in my finances if Jesus got his way? What would be different in my job, in my home? What would I do differently on my team if Jesus got his way? Think about it. You're watching online. What would be different? Whether you're 15 or whether you're 85, this is a question that we all have to grapple with. What would be different in, and you fill in the blank, if Jesus got his way? What would be different in my neighborhood, in my relationships? Here's a question that we're grappling with. What would be different in Yuba Sutter, the West, and the world if Jesus got his way? And here's the truth. Like, Jesus is going to get his way someday. And Jesus is sovereign, but he gives us an opportunity to choose. He gives us an opportunity to be faithful or not faithful. And so a question that we're, we're kind of grappling with is, as a gathering, what would be different in Yuba Sutter, the western United States, and the world if Jesus got his way? Let me give you a few things that, that, that we are kind of going to move towards. The, the first thing is this. More children would be introduced to Jesus. Well, what would be different in Yuba Sutter if Jesus got his way? More children would hear the story of Jesus. And because we believe that, this summer we're going to have, for the first time, city sports camp. And we're going to use sports as a venue and as a, a, an area and a way to get the message of Jesus to children. July 19th through the 23rd, obviously COVID's in the, we're in the middle of that, but we're moving towards this and we're going to use sports to tell kids about Jesus. And we, we believe that families, coaches, children are going to go from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God at this sports camp. That's why we're doing it. What would be different in Yuba Sutter, the West, and the world if Jesus got his way? More children would hear about Jesus. But another thing, single, single mothers would choose a life knowing they are loved and supported. Because we believe this, we're going to expand our partnership with a woman's friend, the pregnancy center in our town. We're going to expand our partnership with them. And, and the, the, the next thing kind of on our calendar to, to help them is on February 14th, we're doing a baby shower for them. And so we're asking you, if, you're, if you call City Walk Home, even if you don't, you're visiting, we ask you to bring that day or before new baby items. And we want to take a truckload of new baby items over to a woman's friend that afternoon to help single mothers know that they are loved and supported in our community. What would, what would be different in Yuba Sutter, the West, and the world if Jesus got his way? More children would hear about Jesus. Single mothers would choose a life knowing they are loved and supported. And here's the last thing. Every neighborhood would have a life-giving church. 
every neighborhood. And so, as a, as a gathering, and if you call City Walk home, this is what, what the direction we're moving. By the end of 2025, so five years from almost right now, our, our goal is to help five churches plant in the West and overseas. So five churches, at least one of them being overseas, and, and the other four in the Western United States. And then we want to we help do that, and I'll explain that here in a second. And then we want to plant five locations ourselves. So, so here's, let me, let, me, let me break that down for you. So for instance, how, how do we want to help five churches in the West? We want to help them in three ways. We want to give them resources because it takes some money to start a church. We want to help them with some finances. We want to give them coaching. Basically, we want to give them access to all our team so that they can learn from our successes, our mistakes, and we're, we're available to them. And then we want to provide care for them. So every single church that we help plant, we're going to assign them to one of our city groups, and we're going to ask that city group at least three times a year to do something special for the couple, not for the church, but for that family, that church planner family, to show them that we love them, that we care for them, and meet their needs. We want to do that with five churches over the next five years in the West, and at least one of those five being overseas. I'm excited to tell you that we've already started with one. We introduced you guys to Justin and Lacey McKay, and we've already started this process because of your generosity. We've already sent them some money. We've already started to provide them with some coaching. And Justin has a, a quick thank you that he'd like to say to you guys. So Justin and Lacey, they're going to be planting right there in Denver. They're going to launch in 2022, so we're excited about helping them. So five churches we're going to help. But then there's another piece of this, and it's five locations. So we, we feel that in, in our region, we want to start five locations, city walk locations, that are neighborhood churches to meet the needs of those neighborhoods. So we've started one in Yuba City, so we can check that one off the list. The second one that we're going to focus on over the next six months is one that because of COVID, uh, this has been brought to, to, to our light. And basically what I mean is because of COVID, we've seen the potential of reaching people with an online campus. And an online campus isn't a, a campus so that all of us can just stay in our pajamas and stay home. No, an online campus is, is so that you and I, and I've had many of you guys come up to me over the last year and say, I wish my friend in North Carolina, I wish my mom in Pennsylvania, I wish my you know, so-and-so that I love and is lost in New York could come to church at City Walk. And so we're going to make that opportunity possible for them. 
So we're going to start on Easter Sunday night. We're going to start our online campus called City Walk Now. Right now we have an online service, but we're going to have a fully functional online campus where people can join groups, where people have people that are interacting with them, praying with them, where they can even serve online. Obviously, the goal is that they would find a local church locally and be a part of, but, but we feel like this is an opportunity for us to reach people literally all over the world with the message of Jesus. And so we're treating this the same way we treated this when we started this. We're going to have an interest party for anybody in this gathering or online that says, hey, I want to be a part of starting City Walk now. And that interest party is going to be on February 21st. And so if you're interested in saying, hey, what, what's the vision of this campus and what is the roles that I could play to help launch this February 21st at the Greens House, we're going to have an interest party and we're excited about this opportunity. So campus two, location two will be City Walk Now. And then number three, and this is the last thing, as we begun to pray about where in our region we feel like God, we can go join in what God's doing already. The city of Marysville just keeps coming back to us. And so we have begun to pray and investigate and begin to move on some things with the prayer and idea that we would launch CityWalk Marysville in 2022 or 2023. And so we're in the midst of, of doing that, uh, just some beginning things with that. But, but we wanted to tell you guys this because we're not waiting till we're like 10 years old, we're, like, we're going to go now and reach people. Because, man, we, we, we ask ourselves that question, what would, what would it be like if Jesus got his way in Marysville? What would it be like if Jesus got his way, and, and man, you fill in the blank of other cities in our region? What would it be like if Jesus got his way, and, and there's buildings all over our region that are, are sitting empty, church buildings, because churches have died in the middle of neighborhoods. What would it look like if Jesus got his way, and there was a life-giving church in those neighborhoods? And we don't have to be the one to do it all, but we're going to be part of it. And we want to invite you to be part of it. So as we close, I want to bring us back to that question in your own life. What would be different if Jesus got his way? Let's pray. Dear God, we, just, we come before you and we come before you with a heart of gratitude. Lord, we're so thankful for how you've led and guided all of us over this first two years. Lord, I'm so thankful for how you've changed my heart, how you've worked in my family. Lord, I'm thankful for how you're working amongst us. Lord, I'm thankful for the many other churches in our city that are going after reaching people. And Lord, I pray that we would play our part well. And as we close this time with every head bowed and every eye closed, what would be different in your life if Jesus got his way? And here's, here's what I know. The, the enemy does not care if you can answer that question. He, he doesn't care if you know the answer to that question. He gets bothered and scared if you do something about it. So what would be different if Jesus 
got his way. And are you willing to take a courageous step to move into whatever that answer is? God, give us the courage to not only hear you, but to obey you. In Jesus' name, amen.